Amen. Good morning. Welcome to Celebrate. We are excited to have each and every one of you. Hopefully you grabbed a cup of coffee, water bottle on your way in because we are in for a treat. It's going to be awesome. We got a great speaker this morning. Glad that you could be here for it. My good friend all the way from Las Vegas. Uh, I told him we're just not really good at craps and gambling. So he's going to come and teach us for the next hour and kind of help us. Just kidding, just kidding. Some of you are like, yes, this is the kind of church I've been looking for. Yeah, no, 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 it's not. And uh, so we're glad and honored that you would be here. And uh, Pastor Josh is a good friend of mine. We've known each other for a long time. And uh, he was one that taught me what a wet willy was. And I don't know if he remembers this. And other things, and uh, Buttercup and that kind of stuff. We'll, we'll let him explain all this later. We worked at a Christian camp together. And so there's all kinds of great stories. He, he mentioned it this morning. I just thought of him. We were once went spelunking in a cave. And it was just the him and I. And he was like, hey, look, if you drop me. I just want to let you know, I'm going to, I'm going to curse you on the way down, you know, and all this kind of stuff. So we just had a good time. Something good and good friend. He did a great job this morning. If you would please give a celebrate welcome to my friend, Pastor Josh Tice. Micaiah and I have known each other since we were uh, teenagers and uh, I'd forgotten about that story. That's right. Spelunking, cave going in, walking around caves. What were we doing? I was in Mount, Mount Eldon in Arizona, right? Oh, man. So you say, why is this guy coming to preach to us? It's because I have no, you, you let me come and preach in your church, which is really nice of you. Have you preached in our church yet? No. You have? No, it wasn't. Well, I guess if you did and I'd forgot, it wasn't any good, I guess. I, <laughs> I really love Micaiah. Since we were kids, we've been friends, like I said, and now he's a pastor it's really weird because you have childhood friends too. It's really weird. Uh, here I am pastoring in Las Vegas and you're pastoring in San Jose and who would have ever guessed? This is amazing. But I, I do love your pastor. I love your church. How many of you have ever been to Las Vegas before? Anybody here ever been to Las Vegas? All right. Raise your hand. Bunch of sinners. What are you doing? You're Christians coming to Las Vegas. You're not supposed to be in Las Vegas. What were you doing there? Are you trying to reach the lost, right? That's what you're doing? Yeah. Missions trip. Whatever. You liar. He's down at Caesars, man. That's what he was doing. Been in Vegas my whole life, born and raised. That's who I am, a Las Vegan by, by birth and by my entire life, lived and raised there. And now I pastor a church in Las Vegas, which is quite a unique thing. It is a little different, um, pastoring a church in Las Vegas. For example, in Las Vegas, <clears throat> in our church, um, sometimes when the offering plate goes by and people give in the offering plate, sometimes when people give, um, people will put poker chips in the offering plate. Like, how weird is that, right? Poker chips. Does that ever happen here? Does that happen here? It doesn't happen here? We'll get poker chips in the offering plate. Um, happens every once in a while. Funny thing is, is the, the church down the road, the Catholic church down the road, they get like 10 times more poker chips in theirs than we do in ours. If you have a Catholic background, you know what I'm talking about, right? And uh, in fact, the, the local Catholic diocese, um, because they have so many poker chips coming in, the local Catholic diocese has actually set a separate segment of priests just to count all the poker chips that come in. How crazy is that, right? They call them chip monks. That's what they call them. It's, it's not true. It's a lie. It's, I lied in the, I lied from the pulpit. That's no good. Well, they say a public speaker is supposed to start with a joke. Did it work? 
No? No. Okay. All right. Let's move on. All right. Well, I'm glad to be here. I really am glad to be here. Matthew chapter 5 is where we find our text. If you didn't bring a Bible, that's okay. Most of the scripture will be on the screen today. You'll be able to follow along just fine. Matthew chapter 5. I had a great time with the early service, and I'm glad that you're here now as well. Uh, Matthew chapter 5. These are the words of Jesus. He's giving his famous, what we call Sermon on the Mount sermon. It's it's one of the most famous speeches Jesus ever gives. I'm not going to go through the whole thing because it's like three chapters. I'm only going to be covering a few verses. Chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. It says this, ye are the salt of the earth. You, uh, you people that are following me, so followers of Jesus are sitting out on this hillside and he tells the followers of Jesus, how many of you are followers of Jesus? If you are, say amen. All right. Now you may not be yet and that's okay. You're here in the safe place. Welcome here. We're glad you're here. But for most of us, we're followers of Jesus. So he's speaking to us. So Jesus says, you, followers of Jesus, are to be the light of the world. Hmm. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid, neither do men light a candle. Look at verse 14. You're the light of the world. A city that is set on the hill cannot be hid, neither do men light a candle, put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light to all them that are in the house. Hmm. Let your light so shine before men. Let, let's move a word, the word your, and let's just put the word Christian, because that's, that's the ki- kind of idea of what he's saying, followers of Jesus. Let your Christian, your Christian light, sign before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let's pray. Father in heaven, my prayer over the next few moments is for myself and for my friends as we attempt to study your Bible, as we attempt to learn from it and apply it to our lives and apply it to this local church. In the name of Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit of God, do for me and for these people what I cannot do. Help us to understand your word today. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Man, I, I do love being here. I love your pastor. Um, I love being part of this church uh, just for visiting. My, your pastor is fantastic because I'll tell you what kind of guy he is. How many of you noticed Pastor Makai is a very energetic person, right? How many of you like to see him jump up and down when he preaches, right? He gets very excited. Uh, he's an adventurous person, always has been. Uh, he reminds me quite a bit of my wife, Heather, who is also very adventurous. My wife, Heather, is the type of person who will push me to do things that I would not do otherwise. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You ever have a friend that used to push you to do things that you would, well, I married that friend and I'm doing all sorts of things in my life. Like, um, uh, like for example, we're, we're spending a couple days in Monterey, not too, I've never been there before. It's not, how far is it from here? Not too far, right? Monterey, like 45 minutes. Yeah. I'm going to go down there a couple days. And, and I heard there are bike paths all up and down the coast. You could ride these bikes. Now, if I were to visit Monterey on my own, I would not ride a bike. I would sit and do nothing else. <laughs> but she pushes me, so we're going to be riding bikes. I mean, I've done all sorts of things with her. I've gone zip lining with her. Anybody ever did this before? You like that? Yeah. You're crazy. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, you, you tie yourself to a rope, right? And then, you, and then somebody, lets you, somebody you don't know lets you go. And you zip. <laughs> so she made me do this. See, that's what she does. She pushes me to do things otherwise I would not do. Um, she, she had me go skydiving. 
How many of you are like, that's insane? Raise your hand. That's insane. Now, a lot of you just like me. How many of you are like, that's awesome. I want to do that. How many of you are insane people? You're crazy. You're crazy. Well, this is what she is. And so she pushes me to do things I would not otherwise do. You know what I like about Micaiah? Micaiah is such an aggressive person. Um, he's a good follower of Jesus. He pushes even me. He inspires me to do things maybe I would not otherwise do. I hope that that's what I can do today as we study our Bible. Something perhaps that you may not have otherwise done or seen, you would be kind of encouraged and pushed in that way. Today's message is about the church. And today we're going to talk about three metaphors that are found in the Bible and what those metaphors mean when it comes to the church. It's basically like this. Jesus or the Bible say the church is like fill in the blank. And we're going to get three of those the church is like. For example, the first one we're going to look at today, the first metaphor is the church is like a lighthouse. Lighthouse being a metaphor for the church itself. You say, why? Well, because there's a concept in the Bible called light. The the concept of light is found in the Bible. It begins when Jesus himself talks about being the light of the world. He says this, it's on the screen in John chapter 8 and verse 12. He says, then spake Jesus again unto them saying, I am the light of the world. Jesus said this to his followers. He said, I am the light of the world. Jesus arrived in the world at a very dark place. Uh, Palestine, in a very dark time during the Roman Empire. And Jesus said, though the world is dark, I am the thing that brings light and glory and shines here. You say, why could he say that? Because Jesus was no ordinary human being. Jesus is the very son of God, came from heaven, came to earth to express the love of his father to mankind. He came to earth to light up the world and to shine truth where there was darkness, to shine love where there was hatred, and to shine the truth of God to people who had begun to forget about God. That's who Jesus was. So he said, I am the light of the world. But in the very next chapter, in John chapter 9, Jesus says something else that is a bit disturbing. Now, I don't want to give away the ending, but in the ending of Jesus' story, obviously you know, he dies upon the cross. The disciples did not know this when he said this in John chapter 9. Go to that slide. He says in John chapter 9, now imagine you're one of the disciples of Jesus. You've been following him. You love him. You think he's the most amazing spiritual leader you've ever met. And then Jesus says this, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Well, you've heard him say this many times. Everywhere he goes, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. But then he almost indicates that he will not always be here. And he says, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. The problem is, you and I both know what happens to Jesus. The beautiful, shining light of Jesus gets snuffed out by the hatred of humanity. They take Jesus. They put him on trial for something he did not do. And they pull him to this old mountain called Calvary. And they put two sticks together and they build a cross. And the Roman soldiers spit upon him and they whip him. And then they put him up on top of this cross and they kill him there. Some people think that they killed him because he was a political revolutionary or somebody that that, that was trying to start a rebellion. That's not why they killed him. They killed him because they were afraid of his message. You say, what was his message? His message was simple. His message is, I'm from the Father who loves each and every one of you. But the fact is, it's hard to love all of those of us who have sinned. Here's the problem, and Jesus explained it. All of us are sinners. 
Every single one of us have broken the Father's laws. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery, honor your father and mother. We've all broken these laws. Now, if we're honest with Jesus and we're honest with each other, there's not one of us in this room who haven't broken the laws of God. We've all been there. (laughs) In fact, if I were to ask this question, anybody perfect in the room and you stood up, everybody would look at you like you're insane (laughs) because you know you're not perfect. I know I'm not perfect. So Jesus came to earth and he expressed to mankind this truth. We're all sinners. We've all broken the laws of God the Father. You say, then what was he going to do? The Bible says, though we've broken the laws of God the Father, we can no longer have a relationship with God because it's been broken by our sin. And the problem with that that, is that if we die with our sin still attached to us, we will die and spend eternity apart from God in a place called hell. And so Jesus came to save us from that destiny. He came and he expressed the truth of the love of God the Father and that anybody could be saved if they believe on the Son of God. And the Bible tells us, though we deserve to be punished for our sin, Jesus went to the cross and he was punished in our place. Not just in the place of all those people back then, but Jesus died upon the cross in your place and in my place. That's the good news of the gospel of Jesus. It's the truth that God loves you enough to die upon the cross for your sins. And the Bible says that he was buried and rose again three days later. That's the gospel message. But here's the truth, what Jesus was saying. I'm the light of the world, but I will be snuffed out. Here's the question. When Jesus was snuffed out, Who became the new light of the world? That is found in Matthew chapter 5. Look at what it says on the screen. Matthew chapter 5, it says, Ye are the light of the world. Again, Jesus' words. He says, I'm the light of the world. As long as I am in the world, I'll be the light of the world. But when I'm gone, you are the light of the world. If you're a follower of Jesus, it's almost like he lit up while he was here. But before he died, he passed the torch onto you. Now you're to be the light of the world. You know what the church is supposed to be? The church is supposed to be a gathering place of lights. You know what a lighthouse is? A lighthouse is a building that sends the light out. You know what the church ought to be? If you're a follower of Jesus, you're a light. The church is not simply a place for the light to gather and to hide away from the darkness. We don't hide our light under a bushel. You see, we send the light out into the community. What does that mean? That means, uh, frankly, this. It means as a follower of Jesus, if you're a light, wherever you go, you should shine for Jesus. Tell other people about Jesus. Live a godly life or live a good life or live a kind and merciful and gracious life so that wherever you go, people are like, what's wrong with them? How different are they? They seem to be a really cool, great, wonderful person. What's different about you? And you'll be able to look and say, I'll tell you what's different. God has saved my soul. I'm a Christian. That's what he's saying. You're supposed to send the light out. You know, um, I I noticed these in the foyer this morning. They're called uh, your invited cards. Have you seen these before? And I love these because it's a simple way for you to be the lighthouse. You come in here, gather on Sunday, get charged up. You grab these on the way out and you can give them to anybody that you come across. I'll tell you about my friend Tony. Tony is a police officer. He's part of our church for quite some time. He's a traffic cop. Um, Thank God for traffic cops. Can I get an amen? I didn't think so. <laughs> he's one of my dearest friends, but he's a traffic cop. And uh, the reason I'm a little kind of you know, uh, like that, because I've had a lot of interactions with traffic cops that have not been great, you know, cost me a lot of money. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Come on, I'm not the only one, right? 
Thank you. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you for being honest about your terrible driving. God bless you. Are we the only two who have ever had a bad interaction with a traffic cop? Raise your hand. Okay, thank you. All right, all right. So I've had several. And I'm not a great driver, and, but, uh, you know, I pay my tickets. Well, he's a traffic cop. And one day he told me, he said, Pastor, i got to tell you what happened. And I said, what happened? He said, well, I'm out of work, and as I'm driving down the road, he says, I see somebody without their, their one of their lights are out. So I pull him over. I was going to give him a warning, but I asked him for the license and registration. License registration, please. Guy looks up. He says, I don't have my registration. Now, Tony's telling me this. I said, well, what'd you do? He said, well, let me hit, I asked for his license. I don't have my license either. He said, you don't have your license, your registration, your taillights out? He's like, step out of the car. I'm like, oh, man, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? He said, I pulled him out of a car. I said, what did you do? He said, the only thing we're allowed to do, Pastor, is at that point, the rules are you have to impound the car. You, have to, you can't let him drive away. And I'm like, no. He's like, yeah. He said, but the story gets weirder. I said, what happened? He said, I went back to my car. I shut the door. I sat down. I'm preparing the guy's ticket. And God, I feel like God was telling me deep in my heart to invite this guy to the church. I'm like, that's an awkward moment to invite somebody to church. How many of you would be weirded out if you're getting a triple ticket and they're taking away your car and you're like, by the way, I'm a Christian, invite you to church. How many of you be like, I don't want to go to your church. How many of you like that, right? So he's like, come on, that's insane. In fact, if he called me and said, pastor, what should I do? I'd say, don't invite him to church. But he said it was a really powerful impression from God. This guy needs me. Tell him you're a Christian, invite him to church. So cop gets out of his car, my friend Tony, walks over, and he stands there, and he says to him, he says, hey, this is going to be weird, here's your ticket. He said, I'm a follower of God. That's what he said. And he said, as a Christian, um, I feel like now, I know this is weird, but I feel like God wants me to invite you to my church. So now you're saying like, Josh, so what happened? What happened? And the answer is, it doesn't matter what happened. No, tell me what happened. I mean, did the guy come to church and he gets saved and now he's an evangelist? It doesn't matter. No, tell me what happened. Did he go and sue the city and the guy lost his job? Is that what happened? It doesn't matter what happened. Because the end of the story is this. The Christian was a witness for his Lord and Savior Jesus Christ when he was told to be. That's the end of the story. See, it's not our job to convert everybody around us. It's our job to invite them to Christ or invite them to church and allow God to... See, you're the light. Look, what is the church? Here's a metaphor. You're a lighthouse. A lighthouse sends out the light. But I will also say a lighthouse never stops shining. A lighthouse sits on the harbor, doesn't it? And it invites every single person, every single ship into the safety of the harbor. That's what we're supposed to do. It allows us to uh, help others avoid dangerous rocks and destructions of life. That's what the church is supposed to be. A place that says, come to us, we'll help you so that you don't have to see your life hurt or destroyed or fall fall apart. That's what the church is supposed to be. Something that never stops shining. Here's my question for you, and it's a personal question, so don't answer it out loud or raise your hand. Do you have somebody in your life right now that you are, here, look, look, that you are purposefully shining at? As a Christian, you should. You say, what are you talking about? I've noticed this. The longer somebody is a Christian, the less non-Christian friends they have. And that's not a good thing. I'll say it again. The longer somebody's a Christian, 
the likelihood the less non-Christian friends they have. And that's not a good thing. I'll tell you why. Because it's your responsibility to invest into the lives of non-Christians, inviting them to Jesus Christ. So here's the thought. The thought is, who do you have in your life, at work or at school, in your neighborhood or in your community or wherever it might be, that you're saying, I'm working on them to bring them to Jesus. I'm shining a light because they might be lost to bring them to Jesus Christ. That's what the church is to be. And if I want one thing for this awesome church called Celebrate, is that this church would understand the importance of being a lighthouse as a church. But there's another metaphor. Let me give you the second one that we find in scripture. The first one, and by the way, I'm only giving you three metaphors. There are many other metaphors I'm not going to get to in today's message. But here's a second metaphor for what the church is. Number one, a lighthouse. Number two, the church is a hospital. The church is a hospital. The church is supposed to be a place where hurt people can go for help. Let me say that again. The church is supposed to be a place where hurt people can go for help. Here, here's, here's why we've forgotten this as Americans. As an American Christianity, what we often do is so messed up. We look at the church as only our refuge from the bad people out there. I mean, this is what we do. We almost create the church to be a museum for saints instead of a hospital for people who really need help. Man, when you come to church, we give off this impression. If you come to our church, you better be good, right? You better be the best of the best. You better dress in a certain way and talk in a certain way and act in a certain way and say things like, praise Jesus, hallelujah, God bless you, brother, right? But the fact is, that's not what the church was created to be. It was created to be a place where hurt people can come. Let me ask you a question, and I want you to think about it for your church, Celebrate. Is Celebrate becoming a place where genuinely hurt people can come? And find healing through Jesus Christ. That's what it was intended to be. You know, I, I, I'm reminded of the story of David. How many of you remember the story of David, the little boy who killed the giant? How many of you know this story, right? He grows up to be king. Before he comes king, the Bible tells us that the current king, his name is Saul. And Saul is very, very upset with, uh, with David. So much so that he kicks David out of the kingdom and David has to run away and he's hiding in a cave called Agilum. He literally, now picture this, he's some guy, he's, he's in his 20s, and he's literally hiding in a cave for his life away from the king. The Bible tells us exactly what happens here in 1 Samuel chapter number 22. Go ahead and put that on the screen. 1 Samuel chapter 22 says, David therefore departed thence, he left from the kingdom, and he went to the cave called Agilum. I've been there. It's actually on the coast of uh, the Dead Sea. It's a nasty desert place. I mean, it is not beautiful. It's a desert, dry, barren, kind of like Las Vegas, actually. That's something they come to think of it. It's a little bit like that. And there's a cave in these mountains, and David went to live there. And the Bible says that his father's house heard about it, that his people from his home, his family, his brothers, they heard that he was hiding there, and they went with him. But then the Bible says something fascinating. It says, in every one in Israel... That was in distress. Everyone that was in debt. And everyone that was discontented. Gathered themselves unto David. And he became a captain over them. Started like a little army. And there were with him not five people or 20 people. There were over 400 
mighty men that joined David. In fact, later on, the Bible calls this group of people David's mighty men. They go on to do incredible feats of strength and power. They go on to actually liberate Israel from all sorts of enemies all around. This group of guys are legendary. And you know how they started? They started because David found a little cave and he lived there and he allowed people to come and join him. And you know who he looked for? He didn't look for the best of the best. He looked for the rest in society, those who had nowhere else to go. You know what his interview process for his, let's call it a church, you know what his interview process was? Are you in debt? Good, good. Come on in. Are you in distress? Nobody else wants you? Fantastic. We want you. Are you discouraged? We want you here. Are you discontented with life? Now look up here. Every single one of us in this room, if we're honest, we've had moments in our life where we feel totally drowning in all sorts of problems. The church is supposed to be the type of place that you can come and say, I've got problems, help! And like David, we just welcome them in. Wouldn't it be awesome if Celebrate Church continues to be the type of church that says, we want everyone to come in, no matter who they are, no matter what problems they have. We want to help them. Why? Not because we have the answers, but we know somebody named Jesus who does have the answers. We bring them to Jesus. See, this is what the Bible says the church should be. This is what we're talking about. Not only a place that is absolutely a lighthouse, but it is a hospital. I'll tell you something about hospitals. I'll tell you this. A hospital is not built for the healthy. Think about David's cave. David's cave was a dank and dark and smelly place, but people flocked there. Why? Because it was a place of compassion. This church is to be a compassionate place. And the more compassion you show, you'll be shocked how many people show up. You know, in Las Vegas, Las Vegas, how many of you realize in Las Vegas, people have problems just like anywhere else? You know what I've noticed is that people will flock to a place where you show them compassion. A hospital is that type of a place. It's not built for the healthy. Now, for those who have been Christians for a long time, I'm not going to be long on this point, but hear it. We have misunderstood what the church is. The church is not a place where healthy people gather to pat each other on the back to talk about how healthy we are spiritually or emotionally. That's not what the church is. The church is a hospital where people who are unhealthy are able to come and get healthy. Where we're able to welcome people in from the community and say, hey, come on in. What, what, what are your needs? What are your problems? What are your issues? We want to help you. Too long the church has been standing on the outside of society pointing at the bad things in society. Instead, we need to open the doors and say, those who are hurting in society, come here. We can help them. This is what Jesus said in Mark chapter 2 and verse 17. He said, they that are whole need no physician, but they that are sick. I have come to not call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Mark chapter 10 and verse 44, the Bible tells us that the healthy come to the hospital for a different reason. We understand this. Look at what it says in verse 45. It says, for even the son of man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And you say, well, Pastor Josh, I'm a Christian, which means I've been saved and forgiven of my sins. Now, if that's you here, you might say, then why do I come to church? Here's why, Christian. For a Christian, you come to church for a different reason. You come to church to help those who have not yet been healed by Christ to serve. I'm, I'm talking about ministry. I'm talking about people who come to church and, and stand out there and greet. I'm talking about people that come to church and they sing in the praise team. I'm talking about people who come to church and they, and they go and they help with the 
with the kiddies back there. I'm talking about those of you in the last service who were serving already. This is what it means to be a place of compassion that are absolutely committed to what Jesus was committed to. A place that says we are here to help anybody in need. Would to God that this church, Celebrate Bible Church, would be the type of church that says, look, no matter who you are, if no matter what your hurt or problem, we're committed to having compassion toward you. So what is the church? I've given three. I'm going to give three metaphors. Number one, the church is a lighthouse. Number two, the church is a hospital. And number three, and this is it. This is it. Number three, the church is a, a restaurant. How many of you are ready for lunch already? Can I get an amen right there? <laughs> give us some food, man. The church is a restaurant. It's a place you're supposed to go and eat. You say, well, we had donuts out there. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about physical food. I'm talking about spiritual food. See, the church is a place that you should be able to come to and be filled spiritually. Acts chapter 20, verse 28 is one of the places where it speaks of this. It says in Acts 20 and verse 28, take heed therefore to yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. He's talking to the leaders of a church and he said, I want you to do this. Take care of the flock to do this. Feed the flock of God, which is among you. The church's responsibility is to gather sheep inside of it. That's the metaphor. And to feed the people that come. You say, what do we feed them? At a Bible church, we feed them. What do you think we feed them? Can I get an amen right there? We feed them the what? The Bible. Some of you aren't sure. What do we feed them? What do we feed them? The Bible. You know what I've noticed about a good restaurant? I've noticed this. That a good restaurant's going to have good food. <laughs> a good restaurant's going to have good food. How many of you would go to a restaurant over and over and over if you hated the food? No, you won't. You go to a restaurant because it has good food. You know what I love about, about this church? I love about Celebrate is that when you come to this place, Pastor Micaiah gets up and he feeds you the Word of God. You're learning the Word of God. You're feasting upon it. You're studying the scripture week after week and growing thereby. This is, what, this is what Peter was saying to his church in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 1 and 2. It says, the elders among you which I exhort also an elder. He said, feed the flock of God. Here's the truth. A restaurant needs good food. I was driving through um, Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, driving across the country. Anybody ever been in the Midwest, Missouri area? Ever been there? Yeah, I'm driving through Kansas City, Missouri. And uh, I, I, I was thinking, oh, this is the land of uh, barbecue. I want to get some barbecue. How many of you get, love barbecue, right? I want some barbecue. So I thought, okay, I, I need some barbecue. So I yelped, uh, best barbecue, you know, in the world or whatever. And uh, Kansas City, Missouri, got to have barbecue, right? How many, oh, man, I'm ready to go. I yelped it, and then it led me to uh, uh, several opportunities, several places, and then I looked up an article that was attached by a, a famous chef named Anthony Bourdain. Anybody ever heard of him before? Anthony Bourdain, and he talked about the top 10 restaurants to eat at before you die, and one of them was in Kansas City, Missouri, and one of them was a barbecue place. So I said, I got to go. So I told my wife and my kids, we're going to go to this place. It was an hour out of the way from where we were driving. I thought, it doesn't matter. I want some barbecue. And I want it now. So I got in the car and we're driving along. We get an hour out of, out of the way. We finally arrive at this barbecue place. It's called Oklahoma Joe's. Anybody ever heard of Oklahoma Joe's before? In the first service, there was somebody who had been there. Oklahoma Joe's. Let me tell you what happened. I pull up to this place, world-renowned, best place to eat before you die. Pull up and the restaurant is in a gas station. True. No, this is a true story. It's in a gas station. I thought, what? Now, don't get me wrong. I like to eat at gas stations. They got some Twinkies and other things. I'm like, I'm all on board. 
but I wanted some barbecue. So I thought, no, this is ridiculous. Then I was going to park the car, and they said parking. There were signs, parking this way. And I parked, and there were, no kidding, probably 150 cars all over the place. I had to park like three blocks down in the middle of a dirt lot. My wife and kids are like, what are we doing? I said, we're getting barbecue. <laughs> We'd walk all the way past all these cars. We get to the gas station and coming out of the gas station is a line. I stand behind the guy and I asked the guy, I said, hey, how long is the line? This is what his words. He said, it's going to be about an hour and a half. I said, excuse me? He says, it's going to be an hour and a half. I said, an hour and a half. He said, don't worry, it's worth it. I said, okay, man. So I'm standing there in front of this gas station, hour and a half. Finally, we get up there. And then we get all the food. It looked awesome. And I go, I pull, I go out to pay more money than I thought it was going to be. Then I sit down at a picnic table in a gas station. And I have, honestly, probably one of the best meals in my life. If I was anywhere near that place today, I would drive there today, today. So good. You say, why? Because a good restaurant really needs good food. And you know what I've noticed is that people will put up with a lot if the food is good. They keep coming back. You know what I love about this church celebrate is it's making some major steps forward, really good steps. But you might come here and you might think, but you know, not everything's perfect yet. You know what I've noticed? You know why you keep growing and you have a second service and you're going to have more services and you're going to build and you're going to keep growing? Here's why. I'll tell you why. Because regardless of the little things that still need to get fixed is that this place feeds people the word of God. Man, it serves a good meal. A good restaurant needs to serve a good meal. But I'll tell you, number two, a good restaurant also needs a good atmosphere. (laughs) A friendly atmosphere. Have you ever had a great meal at a place that you'll never go back because those people are mean? Have you ever been like a place like that? Man. You know, it's amazing. It doesn't matter how great Micaiah is when he gets up to preach. If he comes to church and everybody's like, they're not going to come back. There's a, there's a restaurant. Anybody ever been to Denver, Colorado before? Anybody ever been to Denver, Colorado? There's a restaurant there called Casa Bonita. Anybody, you ever heard of Casa Bonita? Now tell me if this is true. I'm telling you. It's been around for what, 50 years, 60 years? You go into Casa Bonita. It's a Mexican restaurant. And I'm telling you, honest to God, honest to God, it is the worst Mexican food I've ever tasted in my life. No, 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 truly, truly. But it's been around for 50 years. And I go every time I go to Denver. I say, why would you go? I'll tell you in a minute. You go to Casa Bonita, where's Mexico? You say, how bad is it? Okay, let's say Taco Bell is here. And Del Taco is clearly here. Casa Bonita is under the stage. You understand what I'm saying? Like, it's not great Mexican food. You say, why would you go? Because the moment you walk in there, this is no joke, they have all of these people dressed in a certain way, and they're like, buenos dias, welcome. And you walk in, and you're like, man, this is awesome. You walk through a cave to get to the restaurant. When you get through the cave, it opens up, and inside the restaurant, there is a cliff diver jumping off of a waterfall and doing, genuinely, a show and a celebration right there. Is that not true? Then you walk down other caves, and there are all sorts of things for kids, arcades and puppet shows. The environment and the atmosphere is insane how much fun it is. Then you go and you have to eat your nasty food. It's really terrible. (laughs) You say, why is it still open? Why do you still go? Because it's such a great, cool experience. You know, I'll tell you about a church. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. A good restaurant needs good food, but I'll tell you, a friendly atmosphere helps greatly. There are churches that will survive and will keep on going, even though they may not be teaching the word of God, because 
At least they're friendly. Wouldn't it be amazing if God helped you create a church that not only fed the word of God to people, but was absolutely a friendly atmosphere that loved people? This is what we ought to be as a church. We bought be a restaurant that is not only feeding people, but is godly and friendly toward these individuals. But I also know that if it's a good restaurant, people will recommend it. I've noticed that. If it's a good restaurant, people will recommend it. Now, some of you have been thinking, I love this church. Okay, here's my question. How many times have you recommended it to somebody? And I mean quite literally, an individual that you know, have you invited them? Or maybe electronically on something like Yelp. You know, three weeks ago in my church, three weeks ago, I had somebody come by our church, shake my hand and say, I said, how'd you hear about the church? They said, we never go to church, but we thought, let's go to church. I looked it on Yelp. And we came to church. How awesome is that? Maybe that's something you can help with. You say, what's the point? Man, a good restaurant, man, you got to invite people to it. I haven't given you all the metaphors of a church in the Bible. There is a lot more of, of metaphors of the church. I've given you three, three metaphors we find in the Bible about the church. I'll close with this. A good church needs a good leader. I'm thankful to God for Pastor Micaiah Ermler. Can I get an amen right there? He's a good pastor. Like I said, he's adventurous, and sometimes he pushes me to do things that I wouldn't expect, like climbing, you know, in the middle of the mountain. I forgot about that until you said that today. I forgot about that pushes, like my wife Heather. My, so, so she says to me, Heather does, um, she says, uh, we want to go skydiving. I said, there's no way, ever. It's not going to happen. I got a call from a friend. I'll close with this story. I got a call from a friend and he said, hey, Josh, hey, I want you to come preach for me. Um, you know, we're doing a kids camp and youth camp. I want you to come preach for me. And I told him, I said, you know, I got a really busy schedule. I don't know that I can make it. He said, but it's for teenagers. I said, I'm not really good with teenagers. I'm just really not. I don't know. I speak to adults. And he said, it's in Hawaii. I said, I think I'll pray about it. Maybe I will come. I think God might, God might want me to, <laughs> it's in Hawaii, you know, come on. So man, I, I, we did, man. I, 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 I gotta be honest with you. I took him up on that offer. We preached that, that first week to a bunch of teens and kids. And then my wife and I, we, we spent a little alone time. And I told her, I said, when we get to Hawaii, honey, we'll do anything you want to do. Anything you want to do in the entire island, we'll do it. What do you want to do? And she said, I want to go skydiving. I said, anything else, anything you want to do, we're not going to go skydiving. And she said, no, I really want to go skydiving. So sure enough, we go skydiving. And I remember we arrived at the part of the island where you go skydiving. Again, anybody ever done this before? Raise your hand if you've ever done this. Insane, crazy, nuts. All right. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. So we show up at this airfield, and the first thing we do, there's a little shack, and you're supposed to go sign in. And so you go up. It was about 7.30 in the morning. We were the very first people there. And as you approach it, there's a big sign. Tell me if it's not true where you went. Big sign, warning, all sorts of fine print. You say, what did the fine print say? It basically said, today you are going to die sign here. So, you know, they had a little page sign there, you know, I went inside and they, by law have to show you a video. And the essence of the video basically says today you're going to die sign here. And then you sign the way. And I've got to tell you, honestly, I am scared to death and I'm sitting beside Heather who pushes me. I'm sitting beside Heather and I'm I looked over and I'm kind of shaking. She's like this. Like, this is insane. Finally, a guy comes in. He says, all right, now we're going to introduce you to your jumping partners. See, we can't just go jumping. You have to be, when you're new, you have to go tandem jumping. Tandem jumping is where somebody clicks and hooks themselves onto you. You wear a harness, they wear a, a, a parachute, and they hook themselves to you. 
And then they jump out of the airplane and you're hooked to them. Does this not sound stupid to anybody else? So they, they introduced, they said, all right, you know, Heather, this is your guy. And, and Bill, this is your guy. There's about eight of us. And Josh, this is your guy. His name is Bundy. And I looked over and I'm like, of course his name is Bundy. Of course. Like, what else could his name be? He walked in. He's got these long blonde dreads. And he's like, what up, Josh? We're going to have a great flight today. Woo! And I'm like, no! Bundy's going to kill me today. This is what happened. He came over and he began to talk to me about this safety feature and that safety feature. And like, this is how it's going to be. It's going to be a great day. I checked the weather. It's awesome. We're going to have a great time today. And I feel like I'm talking to Crush, the turtle from (laughs) Finding Nemo. Like, I'm like, God, what's going to happen? I'm a preacher. So I began to try to save his soul. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Are you okay? I begin to do counseling. No, no problems in your life? You don't want to give up your life today or anything, right? I'm really nervous. Then we get in the plane. The plane is made, very small plane, prop plane, two benches that are horizontal in the plane. I'm sitting here. He's behind me. He clicks himself to me. There are a couple other jumpers in front of me. Heather's sitting over here with her guy. She clicks to him. And then I looked over and I thought for a moment, I'm clicked to some guy I don't know named Bundy, and she's now... She is literally tied to some dude. And that just visual was so weird to me. There she is. She's just tied over. And I remember looking over like this. Like, like how weird is this? And she looked over at me. She's like. <laughs> and I said, I said, are you sure you want to do this? No, back it out now. You know, I'm like, oh, my word. Finally, finally, we get all the way up 10,000 feet above Oahu. 10,000 feet. And we watch as the back of the plane, the door opens. That is the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. And the reason is, is because I've seen the movies. I know what's supposed to happen whenever the door opens up, right? The door opens up and everybody gets sucked out. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But nobody got sucked out. And then I thought to myself, this is what I thought. People are going to fall out. And then I thought, that's what you're up here to do, idiot. You know, that's what's going to happen. And then the very first couple, they stood up and they fell out of the plane. And then the second couple got up, they fell out of the plane. And then the third couple fell out of the plane. Fourth couple falls out of the plane. And there I am. And Heather, and Heather goes up with her guy and he grabs onto this bar and they're outside of a window and they're about to fall out. And Heather looks over and like this and goes. (laughs) And I thought, I married an insane person. (laughs) Then they fall out of the airplane. And then Bundy says to me in my ear, he says, are you ready, bro? And I could swear I can smell weed all over his, I know. I mean, what did I expect? I'm like, no, I'm not ready. Are you insane? He starts moving forward before I know it. We are right there. He's holding onto the bar and I'm, I'm strapped to his chest. How many of you know what a baby Bjorn is? So I'm kind of hanging there, you know, like this. And he says, we're going to have a great time. He says, you ready? And before I could say no, he let go. And we're falling to our death. And I remember as soon as we did, I couldn't help it. I began to scream like a girl. I began to go, no, no, this is crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. This is awesome. This is awesome. All the way down. You know what I've noticed in life? I've noticed that unless you get to the moments where it's crazy, you'll never get to the moments where it's awesome. 
And for some of us, we need people in our lives that will push us into that crazy. You know what I love about this church? I love that you have a pastor and a pastor's wife who are pushing us to do some crazy. For this church corporately, some of you individually, you're like, I'm not spiritual, I'm not of God, I'm not of this. They are pushing you to do something you would have never done on your own. And one day you're going to look back at your life and you're going to be thankful that you had someone like that in your life. Just like I'm thankful for Heather. This is what a church ought to be. You guys are doing great. Let's pray. Father in heaven, it's amazing to me as I travel to see the incredible churches around this country, around this world. And now to be here at Celebrate Bible Church, what an amazing place with amazing people. My prayer, Jesus, in the name of God, I pray that each and every one of us would do for this church and in this church what we ought. I pray for my dear friends in this room who might not know you as Savior, might not have realized that you died upon the cross to pay for their sins. My prayer is that if they've never yet received you as Savior, today they would. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray.